Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and today I was joined by Fiona Finn, the Director of Product Marketing at Unbounce, to talk about how she scales the influence of her competitive program across different teams in the organization. In the episode, Fiona shares her best practices for a phased approach to building out a competitive process, hot tips on how she gets leadership and other cross-functional partners to really buy into competitive, and how the product and UX team to Unbounce weave competitive intelligence into everything that they do. If you're looking for even more insights from industry leaders, then come join us for Clue's first ever Competitive Enablement Summit on October the 27th and 28th. You can get your free ticket to the virtual event in the show notes below. And with all that said, let's get into today's episode. All right, today I am joined by Fiona Finn, the Director of Product Marketing at Unbounce. Fiona, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Adam. We've got, uh, this is a Vancouver-based podcast today. We're going local today, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I am too. Well, I'm blowing from Ireland, but you know, it's okay. We'll keep it in Vancouver. <laughs> there, there's enough Irish people in Vancouver that there you're like apologies. local at this point. I'm, exactly. Um, but let's get into what we came here for. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about how you scale the influence of your competitive program across the organization. So we're going to look at like the different teams that your competitive program supports and who you're providing intel to and how you can best do this. So Fiona, I think you're a great person to talk to about this because Unbounce, you have a bunch of different consumers of competitive Intel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so even to kind of kick things off, to kind of give a, a quick summary of the Unbounce story, right? You know, Unbounce came to market uh, just over 10 years ago as the first no-code landing page platform. So totally unsaturated space. We were able to build a really strong brand, really connect with um, this group of marketers that wanted to, to be free and creating uh, great landing pages with less resources on their team. Obviously, fast forward 10 years later, MarTech is a super saturated space. There's new competitors popping up every day. And so the need for competitive Intel and just greater differentiation in our strategy is more important now than ever. Um, and so to that, our roles um, as product marketers that lead our competitive Intel program is to enable not just our sales team to sell, but our marketing team to better market and position our products, our CS team to better support um, our customers, um, and our leadership team to better identify new opportunities too. So it really kind of spans every part of the business. And before we get into kind of the specific, what it looks like boots on the ground, supporting these different teams, I kind of wanted to get into what I like to call like the tent poles that you put in place. Cause before you're able to support these many different, this many different teams, you need to have sort of a process in place. I think you need certain things established beforehand. So from, from your end at Unbounce, what are some of the, like the core pillars you need or the tent poles you need as a competitive program in order to actually be able to support and scale effectively? Yeah, for sure. So I would say starting off would just be some baseline competitor tracking or benchmarks, right? You, you're you never going to win if you don't know who you're competing against. And this can come in many different forms, right? These benchmarks can come in the form of just having some one-on-one -on -one conversations with your sales team, with your CS team, uh, with your marketing team. They're looking at keyword trends, uh, or they can be in a far more sophisticated manner that you know, you're tracking win-loss and Salesforce and associating MOR to it, right? 
right? So having some baseline tracking components of who your competitors are is a really, really great starting point for you so that you could then prioritize who you want to look at and how you want to look at them. Uh, so that would be the first kind of like tentpole or pillar, as you put it. And then the second piece would be understanding how you want to align your competitive program to your greater business strategy, right? So as a business, is your goal to be perceived as a premium product in the market? Is your goal to move upstream or downstream? Is your goal to be a complementary product to a certain competitor? If you have that understanding of the greater business strategy, that'll then allow you to you know, create a competitive program that maps to the highest priority and get more resources, get more trust from your leadership team, get more people bought into what you're doing, and then just have a way more effective program at the end of the day too. Uh, we'll get into that part later too, that alignment. I think it kind of ties in with kind of the partnership with leadership and those are setting those priorities. So we will definitely get to that part later as well. But carrying on from the starting point here, there's a kind of old saying that if how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? I don't know how that quote came to be. And I probably should, it's, I, I even feel weird using it, but I've used it already. It's done. My mother um, uses it all the time. So you and her have that in common. It's a good one. <laughs> so before you're trying to support everyone all at once, who do you, who do you start with first and why? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, I, my personal approach is kind of like twofold, to be honest with you. Right. Like I, I like to kind of really start on the ground by talking to the people who at the end of the day are going to benefit most from this and give it most visibility, right? So I like to make those like real connections and have some one-on-ones with your trusted sales reps, you know, with uh, some of your CS reps, with some people in revenue who are looking at those like churn metrics or uh, win loss every single day and get a sense of like, where they need your help, where they need support, where they see opportunity from the business. Um, so I would always start there. And then I kind of like take that as kind of like the output of where you want to go and go straight to leadership and survey them, right? Um, really good exercise I've done a few times is to survey your leadership team on their top priorities in relation to uh, the competitive landscape and your competitors. Give them like one to 10 options of what you think it could be, whether, like I said, they believe, you know, you should be moving upstream or downstream, whether they believe you want to own a very distinctive vertical. Um, and then with those findings, then you should prioritize your program to start checking off those priorities one by one uh, so that they are bought into it. Um, so like I said, starting with your teammates on the floor that are going to be using the output, but then going straight to leadership to understand the direction of how to prioritize what you take on and what, what your program delivers. Yeah. It's like this, it's, it ties into that alignment piece. And I think as well, in terms of to prove your output down the road as well, snapping it to that early, mm -hmm. it's almost like sort of like, so it's almost social proof in a way. It's like when I talked to you to begin with, these are the things you cared about. And that's what drove me to do this. And then when you get down the road and you're like sharing your outputs or the intel you're providing and adding context to why you've gone that route, the, con the content you've created, exactly. it kind of snaps back to like supporting them. Because at the end of the day, the competitive intel you provide needs to support them and support the business goals, right? Exactly. And back to your kind of, um, you know, one bite at a time analogy, you know, you can't do everything overnight. So if you were to pick one priority and phase out a project into three phases, like make it really clear what your deliverables are going to be, time box it. As soon as you deliver phase one, 
People are already bought into it because you know it aligns with their priorities. You've already got buy-in from your people on the ground. You've already delivered one piece of high impact deliverables and can move on to the next one with more trust, with more people behind you and kind of scale it from there as well. So I think making sure you break down your scope of work is really important to make sure you're being successful and time boxing it to manage the expectations of when people can expect more inputs from you is really important too. If you, if you build those kind of phases out, what, do, what do they look like? If is, is, do you actually use like a three phases in your approach or is that just a, like a placeholder you're saying, or is it yeah. like, Oh, you, you have like a three phase, like kind of template you follow. Yeah. Usually what I would do would be to identify, okay, so our goal here, for example, would be to, I don't know, go deeper into specific vertical. Right. And then what I would do would be take a look at the competitors in that space. And then what I would probably do would be to uh, rank your competitors by highest to lowest threat and then focus like going really deep on those highest threat competitors. Maybe there's five of them to start with. So making sure your first output and maybe your output is battle cards, maybe your output is win back campaign strategy, maybe your output is just a a presentation for senior leadership. You have that one chunk of work that's focused on the biggest threat that should deliver the biggest opportunity. And now, okay, like people find value, you're off to the races, like phase two delivered, phase three delivered. And so you're not spending six months on something that might be impactful. You're spending one month on something that definitely is and continue to scale from there. In all walks of life, boiling the ocean, never, it's just, it's very inefficient, but you can fall into that trap. So I love the phased approach. So let's get into some of the team specifically. And I want to jump into, uh, because traditionally competitive intelligence has been, when you think of competitive intelligence, you often think sales enablement. So Mm -hmm. we're going to cover that a little bit to start with. And I know you have some kind of different takes on it as well. And then we'll jump into some of the teams that um, you also support. First things first, the partnership between competitive intelligence and sales. What is the most critical part of your role to enable sellers? Yeah, for sure. At Unbounce, uh, we about 9% of our sales model is self-serve. So when you talk to me about the relationship between our competitive intel program and our sellers, I see sales as our sellers, marketing as our sellers, CS team as our sellers. Um, in relation to the relationship between uh, competitive intel and our sales team, I think it's really important to understand where your your sales team are having blockers, right? And not to take it on like a general level and say, this is how all sales motions go. So I'm going to help you with, I don't know, like uh, specific statements that will help you, right? You need to really get into the weeds and understand where your team are losing deals, why they're losing deals and really deliver them assets that will help them win, right? Versus keeping it on a really, really general level. Um, and that looks different to every team, right? That depends on the length of a sales process. I've worked with teams before where the sales process is super long. So they're going to need help nurturing leads at every point. They're going to have multiple blockers in a sales cycle versus at Unbounce, it's a shorter sales cycle. So they just need really impactful conversation management tools that will help them quickly win those conversations, uh, control the narrative and get someone on unbounce because it's the best fit for them, right? Um, so I think that understanding our motion of sales, where they need to win is just the most important thing. And in, t- in terms of identifying that, you mentioned as well, the assets. Mm-hmm. So on the asset side of things, what are what are some of the assets or intel that flops with salespeople what is like 
not actually that useful, although they may think it's useful or like, it's just like, this is the way it's been done. And what actually helps uh, a salesperson or the other teams that you support actually as well, because you have a, the, when you have that self-serve model, it's not typically just salespeople that are in your pre-sales environment. Totally. Yeah. I'm definitely a big believer of just trying things that haven't been done before, right? It's so easy when we are trying to do a million different things. And sometimes competitive can be one of those things that's side of desk and not really your main job. So it is easy to default to those requests that come through from sales that are like, can I have this comparison sheet? Can I have this one pager? Uh, I would always challenge the request and say, hey, what do you what do you need help with? What are you trying to achieve here? And then look at the data that have you have that will say, well, we actually have never closed a deal using a one pager in history. Maybe that data is <laughs> conversational. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it could be the case. No one likes PDFs. Um, but I would always say, try to do something new, right? What tools do you have in your toolkit? Do you already use something like Unbounce? And it's much more effective to spin up a landing page that actually tells a story of you versus a competitor that you can actually then share at scale, right? Way more impactful than a one pager. Uh, is there an opportunity to really kind of... Um, work not only with your sales team, but with a team like product-led growth that not only closes deals, but acquires new leads with your competitive intel. Um, and so you can create, say, a calculator that looks at the conversion rate of your company versus a competitor's company, right? And that can be repurposed in so many ways outside of a sales cold reach email. It can be used in campaigns. It can be used in win back campaigns. It can be used uh, for lead acquisition efforts. So I would always say to try and think outside the box when it comes to sales enablement, what hasn't been done. And if you have data that tells you what has been done, how can you iterate on it and make it better? Not just be responsive to those quest requests that tend to come in to, to people who are leading their competitive intel channels. It's funny you mentioned that. I feel like that PLG is kind of, is like, that is having a moment right now, kind of, right? Mm, it's like, yeah. it's very like the, the hot thing to be doing and for good reason too. So I actually, how does that look as well from, from your end when you support, like you mentioned now that calculator, how, how does that work? Like what kind of Intel would you provide to help them actually build out something like that? Yeah, for sure. So I think it really kind of depends on how, where within your organization, your PLG team sits, right? Is your PLG team really focused on acquisition? And if so, how far out do you plan and strategize? Do you look at unlocking new channels? Do you look at unlocking new segments? To that, competitive Intel can support that, right? What channels are your competitors not in? That's information you can bring to that team. Uh, what tools and are your competitors not using to connect with customers? Are they really just focused on content and you can focus on something completely different or should you be focused on content too, right? Um, there's so many ways that you can inform your PLG, PLG strategy with competitive insights. And it's just a case of like, telling the team the value you want to bring at the end of the day, right? PLG is a net new concept. A lot of companies are figuring out where it sits in their business model, what skills they need on that team. In my mind, every cross-functional team has a need for that market insights, for that competitive insights. And so you should be that subject matter expert that is at least during the planning phase of your PLG strategy, if not during the execution uh, for making sure that you are you know, reaching your goals. 
And at that point, you mentioned there in terms, I think what you've talked about as well, it's you've implicitly kind of mentioned that you need, you need buy-in from these teams mm-hmm. to, to care about Kabeb Intel, know how it relates to their role, how they can use it. And typically, for, again, from a traditional sales model, sales are dealing with competitors on a deal. They hear their names explicitly on a deal. So there is always top of mind for them. But there's these other teams that aren't kind of, it's not embedded in their kind of psyche, I guess, on a day-to-day, day-to-day routine, right? So mm-hmm. with that said, I kind of want to get into the product team a little bit and how, how you partner with them. Yeah, what's the, what's the unique thing you've done at Unbounce to to build a relationship with the product team? And how did you actually bring them into the fold and get that buy-in for competitive intelligence? For sure. So when I actually joined Unbounce, one of the things I was most surprised by was when I actually logged into Clue for the first time, I quickly did a bit of a search to see who our most engaged viewers were in the organization. Um, And I was so surprised to see that our product managers were way up there, like out of the top, I guess, the most seven engaged individuals, I think five were within our product management team, which I was like, really, really interested by and excited by. Um, So that gave me this data point to go back to them and say, hey, I see that like you're looking at our battle cards. Like, what can I help you with? What are you looking for? Um, And then from there, it turned out, you know, our UX and product team go to Clue to check in on competitors during that discovery phase uh, of a new product. but because a lot of the time uh, our content is um, really kind of focused on the business position versus feature specific, that kind of highlighted a gap in our competitive Intel process and our relationship with product that they need that insight and input during the ideation phase, during that discovery phase, during those design sprints. So then it's an opportunity to say, hey, well, you have a lot on your plate. We are doing this research anyway. Why not involve product marketing during those phases, right? So now when we kick off um, a product, we know that um, differentiation is really important to us. We know that, you know, there's so many new technologies out there from our indirect competitors as well as direct competitors. So product marketing is really part of that ideation process right from the start. So we don't just come in at the end of the product life cycle when something is ready to put on, be put on the shelf. And then it's like, oh, how is this different? We're really embedded there at the start of the conversation to say, well, someone does this really well. Do we want to go in that direction? We see that lots of people are doing this. Maybe we want to differentiate. And that also starts to open up conversations, not only about um, how you position yourselves, the unique value props that you want to go for that then are uh, embedded into your product, but bigger conversations like monetization start to happen earlier on in that phase because you're looking at how you want to differentiate because you are bringing that layer of strategy into product development. Um, and the teams just start to work together uh, from that earlier point in time. So um, I think that was a really great fighting when uh, I joined on Benson, uh, thanks to data point and clue, which is awesome. That's, that's really cool. Cause I was thinking, yeah, coincidental. That's, it's really interesting how you came to find like, Oh, this is obviously you've seen that, that there's an appetite. So you, you're fortunate to come into a situation where you're like, okay, I think I've already got some credibility. They're looking in clue. What would you say to product marketers and what advice would you give to them to get in early on the cycle? I think that's what you mentioned because maybe, maybe the product marketing comes in at the end, the midpoint, and not that the product team or any of these teams don't care about what they provide. It's mm-hmm. when they get brought in, 
they, when they get brought to the table, the information and the insights that they deliver, it's almost too late. It's, it, it, it's not applicable. You're trying to reverse point. engineer things at one point versus having that same vision at the starting point and being able to exponentially grow in the same direction. Um, in terms of getting buy-in earlier, I think there's maybe two things, and it depends, again, on what stage um, your competitive intel program is within your organization. So one piece is starting with that leadership prioritization by understand what your product leaders are looking for. Then you can start to make sure that's incorporated into your competitive intel program. And like I said, if you're doing phases of work, maybe phase one isn't by competitors, but by business unit. Phase one looks at sales because you know you can help them with some immediate quick wins that you'll start to see showing up in MRR and it's a very tangible sense. Phase two might be looking at how you can equip your product team with competitive insights and understand what their competitors are doing from a design perspective or from a feature second perspective or a technology perspective and then build up that credibility so you start to have that conversation. But give clear visibility into how your program is going to help different parts of the business and give people a taste of like the value that you do provide, you then start to position yourself as a subject matter expert and start to get that seat at the table, like I said, in those design sprints, in those discovery processes. Um, and just being consistent with your promises is also important to keep that seat at the table. So yeah. I love that idea. I love the idea that the quick win. Mm-hmm. The quick win is awesome because it kind of wets the beak too, right? Yeah. And it's and it's validation. And again, that's why a lot like most successful compare problems, there is that starting point with sales because that is your quickest win. The appetite is there. You can satisfy it. And like you mentioned, tangible impact. It's the easiest way to uh, assign a dollar amount to the competitive efforts that you're doing and how you're enabling a sales team. But okay. then I like that it kind of elevates, like like you talked about your phased approach before, like, now zooming out like a phase approach to your broader program and the teams you support that secondary element, you get to a product team and it's almost this blend of like tactical and strategic information, I guess you're providing. Hey, exactly. Yeah. Do you have an example of your time, how you've used CI um, and until you've provided how that's helped your product team? For sure. Um, I think we're we're constantly evolving, you know, the relationships between our product marketing and our product functions. We're constantly evolving how we speed up our discovery processes and bring great products to market with more efficiency. So one thing we've been working on over the last year is uh, leveraging um, a Lean Canvas framework to be able to plot out what we're working on from an innovation standpoint. And within the Lean Canvas, there is a section for market landscape and competitive landscape. So again, from that starting point, you have inputs from product marketing that are guiding how you're going to move forward. Um, and you know, when reviewing the Lean Canvas and the direction you want to take, if there's serious you know, things at odds between the market opportunity, the competitive landscape, and the solution you think you should be building, that's a great conversation because you need to have that, but at least you have that data point at that point in time. And you're, you know, you're giving visibility to the product marketing sentiment and the competitive insights that you um, are always advocating for. Is there insights from the product team that can, that you can use and then apply it to supporting other teams? There's always interesting pieces that will come from your product strategy that should inform your sales experiences and things like that, right? Um, Like right now, I feel like we are, I mentioned before, you know, Unvents has been in market for a long period of time. So we're really trying to 
differentiate. And with that, that's coming with a lot of ideas from the product team on how we could differentiate. Um, and we can almost test some of those ideas with our prospects as well on the calls that we have to see if we could be going in the right direction or not. Um, so there has to be that free flow of information that is between idea, demand, demand, and direction. And as long as you have, you know, those open conversations, and again, as long as you have the relationships between product, between sales and, you know, product marketing as the go-to-market uh, strategist, it's really, really important. I think we've touched on this a little bit in, in some of the questions you've answered, but I, I, I'm, I still want to know what's the biggest benefit to you individually as a person in charge of competitive to having this good relationship with product? How has that benefited you in your role? How has it made your life easier? How has it made you more effective or efficient? I think that it really joins the dots between building good products and building a great go-to-market strategy, right? You know, I think there is that like old adage, if they build it, they will come. It's not really the case anymore, unfortunately, right? So you do have to have these two strategies happening in unison. And so you're trying to keep your eyes on the market. You're trying to listen to the customers. You're trying to also keep an eye on what, you know, direction the product team want to go and piece them all together in a go-to-market strategy. And so if those things are happening in parallel, it doesn't work, right? So I think that not only do you want the product team to be bought into your go-to-market strategy, if they know that you're supporting it with external data points, like what your competitors are doing, like what um, the market is saying, I think that builds up additional trust as well, right? Totally. And it, I guess it makes your go to it makes it easier for your go to market strategy to be rooted in reality too. Exactly. Because it's not bias. It's you know, it has all these different layers and considerations to it, you know. Exactly. You could be spinning a yarn as a product marketer with this external go to market message that has no it doesn't tie into where the product's functionality actually is or the differentiators actually are. Mm -hmm. And that's, that has that trickle effect is it actually might get people in the door, but then they're not going to have the, like the experience that they expected. They were sold a bill of goods. Right. So I, I really, I really like the idea of like connecting the dots and it's sort of this kind of fuels you as a, as a product marketer and you're, you're kind of, you have to deal with so many different teams and it's really cool to see how product has supported you. Totally. I think it allows for a really healthy conversation as well, right? Like I love a good conversation. Like I want to be challenged, right? I love a good conversation. Um, And I even had a conversation, uh, Chris, our director of product management the other day, we were talking about unique value propositions and what directions we should go in from a product development standpoint and from a positioning standpoint. And we had this conversation about saving time. And I was like, Chris, Everyone says they save time. It's not a differentiator. I know we want to give that value to our customers and we can give them that value, but we're not going to tell them that. So I think, and it's, and it's a really healthy, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I agree with you, but it's a good, healthy conversation about differentiation and about perspective and how you can deliver value in the product. But just because we're not messaging that exact message in the market it doesn't mean we're misaligned but there's rationale behind it if that makes sense totally it's like table stakes versus the real real pure differentiated especially in a market like you mentioned markets are so crowded now it's so, so hard as a buyer i'm personally experienced it in my in my own world now on the, on the marketing team is like just it's so hard to tell before you've actually got to experience about like what is different? What is actually different between all these people trying to sell me stuff? So it, it's a really, it's a really good point. 
one of the one of the final uh, teams or yeah, a group that is critical critical for your competitive program to be successful is the leadership team. Obviously, now you've you've talked about uh, you've mentioned them a couple times already in this podcast. By and large, getting visibility and informing leadership strategy is difficult. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to get that seat at the table you mentioned earlier. How has the compete team at Unbounce been able to get that visibility? And what does leadership care about when they think about competitive? Yeah, that's a really good good shout out. Um, so I think, like I said, we are in the position where differentiation is really important to us at this, this point in um, Unbounce's existence and because of our market and demands, which is super common in most SaaS verticals at this point in time, as you mentioned. Um, in terms of how we get that visibility, I think working aloud has actually really helped us. Um, so I know it's like pretty common for most companies to have a Slack channel, but making sure that that Slack channel is a place of constant conversation and constant, even just tidbits of information or new findings or ideas and making sure leadership is in there. Like you would be surprised how much engagement you will get or follow-up questions you will get just from creating visibility that you're thinking about these things and you're monitoring these things and you're working on these things. And slowly, if you could start to aggregate those tidbits into trends, say, you do a monthly or a bi-weekly roundup in that channel. That will start to actually help leadership identify those trends that they need to be thinking about on a higher level. Um, so working aloud and giving visibility to what's going on in the market and what your team is looking at is number one. Um, number two, aggregating those trends into easy to digest and actionable items for leadership. They don't have to do the work twice, right? So you can, if you're you're already doing it, why not package it, bundle up to something that's easy to consume and action on? And whether that is um, an update in Slack or a more digestible quarterly update that might align with your quarterly planning cadence, that should also be a key input into how leadership kind of take your learnings and research as an input to your greater strategy. Um, And then I would also always recommend trying to get in front of leadership once a year with a competitive landscape refresh, right? We know these things go stale. Uh, We know that, you know, it's so important for every company to stay ahead, if not try to be on top of their competition. Uh, your, Your competitors and indirect competitors are changing all the time. Your position in the market should be changing all the time. You know, we've just gone through a super volatile time in the last 18 months since COVID hit that consumer expectations are changing, competitors are changing, willingness to pay is changing. Your leadership team needs that information, right? So if you can, you know, set the expectation that once a year, you're going to deliver them with a completely fresh competitive landscape, they'll wait for that and they'll want that and need that. And that will be a key, um, key guide to how they make some of their decisions over the next year, if not six months. And it all, it all ties into um, trust really as totally. well. Yeah. I mean that, especially when you say something like a competitive landscape and the eight, what has happened in these 18, 18 months is just like, it's just a snow globe. Everything's been shook up. Yeah. And if you're the person that can corral all of this together again and be like, here, here, here. is what you need to know. And yeah. it's, it's going to win you. It's going to win you. Uh, it's going to curry favor. And exactly. I, and if you can map that back to their priorities and deliver it in buckets, you know, here are some new verticals to explore. Here are some new partnerships to explore. You don't have to do the work, but if you can bundle those opportunities, the landscape, the trends, that will build you that trust and credibility. 
that's sort of context to it too, right? And mm-hmm. that's where you can kind of sprinkle in your own influence too, in a positive way. Like you can add why it matters. Here's what you can do with this. Like make, and I think that ties into what you're saying, like making it actionable. Exactly. So one thing we've talked about a lot is alignment, organizational alignment. I know that that's something that is kind of a, uh, a common element I hear when I talk to or just learn from successful teams is organizational alignment. So how, how is your compete team fit in and aligned with these, with the precedent that leadership has kind of set out? How, I'm curious how that looks. So I think at Unbeds, we are in the unique position that product marketing really plays a really strong role in our go-to-market strategy. Um, and by having differentiation as a core tenant of our go-to-market strategy, that does automatically create that buy-in and openness to trying different value propositions, to trying different partnerships, to trying these things that are influenced by the competitive research and insights that we bring to the table. Um, I also think that we are quite agile and that, you know, we don't have a huge long sales process so we can be a bit more flexible with how we want to experiment with things in the market um, which is a huge benefit as well to us is there anything else you'd like to add on this leadership front i'm i'm curious because like like i said it, it it's it's funny when you talked about you you naturally there was already going to be buying from the product team you saw there was curiosity mm-hmm. it feels that like competitive unbounce has woven into what they value as an organization it's just it, sometimes it's not always the case with other companies. So I guess mm. I, I, I'm curious how if you had advice or suggestions or what you think yeah needs to change with companies where it's just the product marketer or the person charge of competitive. They're doing that off the side desk work. Like competitive yeah. is one of a million things they're doing. And this competitive stuff, they, they kind of know what's happening. You know, you get ad hoc requests kind of all over the place a little bit. I, I guess sell, selling the value of CI. To, to leadership if they're not already bought in? You need that entry point, you need that gateway moment, right? And I think that if you were trying to do that initial trust exercise, you need to invest in it, right? You need to deliver something that is truly, truly valuable. So my recommendation is that if you are looking for a way to build that trust, position yourself as the leader of CI and really get an awareness and trust of why CI is important, uh, I would recommend just starting with a blank slate and educating your leadership team over what your competitive landscape is. Um, And it's really interesting because then when you think about your leadership team, you have all those different flavors of the business that you're trying to support, right? You have that sales head, right? You have that marketing eye, you have your CFO who's thinking about the revenue metrics. So when presenting to your leadership team, kind of like the Spice Girls, right? Everyone has their very clear personality. They all have their own interests. You know, it's going to resonate most with different ones. So I would say, be sure to make sure you are including hard numbers and data to satisfy, you know, people operating at a leadership level. I would say, make sure that you are not excluding different parts of the business in your recommendation or in the tenets of research that you include, include your bits of product insights, include your sales processes, include your marketing message and differentiators. Um, And then one thing I've learned as well. I found that leadership love really easy to consume matrix or landscape views of your position in the market, right? These people are consuming so much information that they need to have like a clear way to understand where you sit, where competitors sit, how you differentiate. And even if you can break down your competitive landscape presentation to three slides of really clear differentiation opportunities, 
that should build their trust, right? That should give them what they need to support their teams and have a clear idea of where you sit, what you need to do to continue to like blow the roof off growth for your company. I don't think we can top a Spice Girls reference. So I think this is like the perfect note to close on Fiona. Perfect. Uh, I really appreciate your time. This is super, super insightful. I've been, I've been uh, dying to talk about CI and the scope, how it can support teams beyond sales. And this was such a good window because Unbounce is really unique. And I loved getting into that PLG aspect as well. So I really appreciate your time. I'm sure we're going to be uh, dragging you on here again soon. Yeah, I would love to. So thank you so much for having me. All right. We'll catch everyone next week.